You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. You don't just live in your home. You live in your neighborhood as well. So when you're shopping for a home, you want to know as much about the area around it as possible. Luckily, Homes.com has got you covered. Each listing features a comprehensive neighborhood guide from local experts. Everything you'd ever want to know about a neighborhood, including the number of homes for sale, transportation, local amenities, cultural attractions, unique qualities, and even things like median lot size and a noise score. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Hey, everyone. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Welcome to The Good Stuff. I'm Jacob Schick, and I'm joined by my co-host and wife, Ashley Schick. Jake is a third-generation combat Marine, and I'm a Gold Star granddaughter. And we work together to serve military, veterans, first responders, frontline healthcare workers, and their families with mental and emotional wellness through traditional and non-traditional therapy at One Tribe Foundation. We believe everyone has a story to tell, not only about the peaks, but also the valleys they've been through to get them to where they are today. Each week, we invite a guest to tell us their story, to share with us the lessons they've learned that shaped who they are and what they're doing to pay it forward and give back. Our mission with this show is to dig deep into our guest's journey so that we can celebrate the hope and inspiration their story has to offer. We're thrilled you're joining us. Again, welcome to The Good Stuff. We are so honored to share today's story with you, even though it's not an easy one to share. Today's guest is Danny Manning, a retired FDNY firefighter. I originally met Danny years ago in Kinsale, Ireland for the dedication of a plaque in honor of Lieutenant Michael Murphy for an organization called Irish Veterans. And he's become a very dear friend, more like family over the years. He is an incredible man who served the New York Fire Department for over 20 years and even saved his mother's life on Christmas Day in 2007 after she suffered cardiac arrest and what has been coined the miracle of Christmas. This episode with Danny recording in New York City was a spiritual experience for me. Absolutely. He was living in New York, serving as a firefighter on September 11th, 2001. He's here to tell us about his experience that day and the days that followed at Ground Zero. How many years did you serve in the fire department? Uh, 23 years. 
23 years. Yeah. That's incredible. And you met your beautiful wife, a New York City girl, Mary Ellen. From the Bronx. And we've been so blessed to know you and the entire Manning family. And today you're gracious enough to share with us a story that changed your life and the lives of countless other people forever. On September 11, 2001, when terrorists hijacked airplanes and flew them into New York City's Twin Towers. And as a New York firefighter, you and your fellow first responders were on the front lines of this horrific day in history. And it would just be an honor for Jake and I to hear you tell your story of September 11, 2001. So, beautiful morning. I was off duty that day, and uh, Mary Ellen was watching TV, and I was in the back bedroom, and I heard a screech from her and a scream, and so I came running out, and I said, what's the matter? And she said, a plane just hit the World Trade Center. Now, Mary Ellen worked for United Airlines. One of her offices when she worked was in that one of those towers. She knows it well. So I looked at it, and I said, gee, this doesn't make sense. I'm looking out the window, and it's a beautiful sunny morning. And I said to Mary, I don't know about this. It must be a small plane that must have just lost its way because there's been incidents in Manhattan. I think I might have told you it was an incident years later, but it was a New York Yankee who was flying a plane, and he made a turn up, up, going up and down the East River, and he didn't turn sharp enough, and he crashed into one of the high-rise residential buildings. Small plane, you could understand something could go wrong, never expecting this to be a big jetliner. So we're watching on a TV, and then a short while after that, the news stories are all breaking, it's live, and we see the second plane hit the tower. And that's when I jumped up. She goes, where are you going? I says, we're under attack. This is no accident. I ran to the back bedroom. She goes, what are you doing? I said, uh, I'm going to get dressed because they're going to need every hand they can down there. What did you say to her before you left? This is going to be a terrible day. We'll do our best because where we live, you can see the smoke plume going over the water there. I knew I was going to something that was bigger than I'd ever been at before. When you're getting dressed, when you're taking your quick shower, what was going through your mind? Get down there quick. Like I said to Mary Ellen, they're going to need every hand they can. Give her a hug and a kiss and uh, out the door went. Do you remember the very last thing you said to her? Honestly, it was a hug and an embrace, and I, I said, I'll see you later. I'm not, not going to see you again. Because <laughs> I remember hugging my family before we left to go to Iraq and telling them, you know, I'll see you later. God willing, I'll see you later. Might not see you later. <laughs> it's one of those things that we almost take it for granted because it's just second nature. I could see what you were thinking in your head. You were going into a different type of situation than me. Your work would be a little bit more dangerous, and uh, to ours was more structured routining. There's a methodology, if you might say, going into fires and fighting fires, but there's always the danger, and sure enough, that danger started early on in my career. Over the course of your career, depending on what neighborhood you're assigned to, you learn how to fight the fires that the buildings are predominant in your neighborhood, say, right? So the old-timers would tell you when you come into the house, all right, everything you learned in school is fine, but we're going to teach you how we do it here now. One of the guys was the old time, but he was an old, salty, old Irish guy. He took me under his wing a little bit. He said, let me tell you, Danny, me boy, you got to be a little bit crazy to be doing this job. You understand that, right? I said, why is that, Jack? He goes, you got to think about this. Everybody's running out and we're running in. I said, there you go, Jackson. I get it. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little crazy, I guess. <laughs> you fit the bill. 
So basically at that point, where we are is on the FDR drive down there, and uh, I had seen that the emergency vehicles were starting to roll down the highway. I could look out the window and see that. They had shut it down for public transportation. And so I was able to run down there and get myself up to the highway. I flagged down some cars that were going by, and one fellow pulled over and picked me up. He was working with the Department of Homeland Security. And he pulled over, he grabbed me, and I said, thanks. And we went down to the FDR drive. Just after we got by the seaport a little, he was on the radio with his guys at one of the towers. He lost communications with them. And that's when I looked to the right and I saw the first tower go down. He lost communications with his guys. They were in one of those towers. Even with all my life experiences, I can't imagine being in communications with your brothers and watching the tower that they're in crumble to the ground. What was the atmosphere like? Dark plume of smoke. Didn't hear much. There's a part down at the end of the FDR drive where you have to go under a tunnel. He tried to go down into the tunnel with the car, and the smoke was coming at us. So we got a little ways into the tunnel, and people were trying to run through it. Some cars were on the other side of the tunnel, and we could see the people running towards us covered in ash and things. And he went down, and we couldn't go anymore. So brilliantly, he did a three-point turn in the tunnel, banged off the walls, and came back out again. We were there for a little while, and then some fire trucks started coming by. And I said to him, uh, good luck. I hope I see you again. And I'm going to jump on the back of one of these fire trucks. I did that, and off I went with the men. I jumped on the back step to guys. I didn't know who they were. They, they just, just jumped on with them, and off we went. So you come out of the tunnel. You get out of the car because you see the fire trucks. You go hop on with your brothers. What's the atmosphere at this point? Complete chaos I've never seen the witness before. And because of the magnitude of the amount of people, the fire, the smoke, all right, that's many times magnified as well. But uh, because of the magnitude of people rushing towards us with the looks on their faces covered in dust and the horror uh, on their face and the screaming and, and, you know, wailing and stuff like that. At that time, there was still bad things going on in the other tower. So we're trying to get through all that to just start helping. There was nobody in charge, but the command center, I believe at that time, might have been wiped out. So the communication was difficult at that time. And so everybody was just trying to team up and try and help somewhere. The breathing was difficult. I didn't have a mask because I came obviously keep them home, so I had no Scott Packer. So that matter, none of the women and children and men running had it either. So they're going the other way. And then I encountered this one woman who was in complete distress, and she was carrying a young baby. And I said, oh, let me help her. She was hysterical because she lost her mother and her other daughter. I said, they asked what they look like, you know, uh, Give me a description. I'll try and see if I, can, me and some of the guys can try and find them. But I said, in the meantime, I said, we have to protect this baby here. Got her and the baby into one of the fire department cars. I said, no, you just sit here. I said, I'll go look for you, your mother and your child. Never did find them. Don't know to this day whatever happened with that. But at least I know that woman and baby made it. Yeah. And hopefully... So did her mother and her other child, but I, there's no way of knowing. Right. That's the uncertainty of that day. So many people. 
so mm-hmm. much chaos. Mm-hmm. What did you do next? People that were injured, we were trying to help them to, like, they were trying to set up triage areas and just get people, comfort them, some of them, you know. Me and many other guys, police officers, firefighters, emergency medical technicians, everybody was just doing the same thing. Like I said earlier, there was no real uh, structure to any of it. So after you help this lady and you turn back to go even further into the scene, what are you seeing? As the dust starts to settle, you look up and you can see pokes of sunshine that used to be filling the whole sky earlier with blue sky. And so as the dust was settling, you could see and things started to clear up, but it was still so dusty. Everybody's eyes were practically shut. It was like almost being a little bit of a vacuum where you see it going on in slow motion, but it's not slow motion. Going on for a long time, people running and screaming, and the rubble was everywhere from the first tower coming down. Eventually, there was people teaming up, and you'd see police officers and other people escorting people, trying to get them into other buildings to shelter them. Because we didn't know what was coming next, you know. So at this point, after you've dived right into this whole scenario and you're there, and like you said, it's almost surreal. It sounds like it's going in slow motion, but it's not. It just keeps going on and on, and it's dusty. Breathing was difficult. Everything was difficult. And do you have time to let any of the emotion hit you? No. It wasn't a time to sit and reflect. You just you couldn't. You were in work mode. Yeah, you had to go full speed ahead. Time-wise, I don't, it's all documented, but to me, it just, there's no time frame to the mm-hmm. whole thing. What happened when the second tower fell? Everybody knew it was time to start moving and start running. Well, the experience in the world didn't do you much good that day. It was just a matter of how lucky you were, which way you ran. I ran one way, and I made it, and other guys ran another way and didn't make it. I dove under a truck. The debris came down on there, and... I was down there, and I didn't have an air pack, and I had my nose to the ground, and I'm saying, no, this isn't going to end like this. And people started just moving some debris, and one of us got us out of there, dragged us out. I remember looking up, and you always see was uh, like papers floating through the sky like feathers. I said, well, it's eerily quiet. I'm looking around. I'm saying, where are all the people? Where's all the equipment? These towers are filled with sinks, computers, things in the restaurant, desks, everything that would fill a building like we're sitting in now. None of it was there. It was all pulverized. That's one memory I'll I'll never forget. Me and another guy I teamed up with, a a dear friend of mine, his name was Ray Phillips. He was in Rescue 3, and we had teamed up together, and we heard a pass alarm going off. Now, that's what we attached to our air packs, and it activates if a man's down. Whether you get down in a fire or whatever the incident is, a guy, if you stay motionless for a while, it activates. So what happened was we could hear it off in the distance, and very distinct piercing sound. So we said, must be a brother down somewhere over here. So we went looking for him, and I went around the building expecting he going to be there. He wasn't there, but the air pack was. So he had dropped it and obviously ran or whatever and made his way. So I grabbed it, and I said, well, it's there. I'm going to use it now. That's right. So I put it on. Because all this time, you've been breathing in this dust. Yeah, I didn't have any air pack. It was yeah. good to have that. I sat there for a while and took a lot oh, of heck yeah. There's some Got some fresh oxygen yeah. on. So he left it there for me. <laughs> That's like we say in the Marine Corps, gear drift is a gift. 
Yeah, there you go. That's right. And there was one part of the story there is that the guys from my firehouse, from Barrios Bravers, 53 and 43, were involved in a rescue where there was guys from another company who had gotten this woman, and they were able to get her down. She was trapped herself and up on the stairway there. And they were able to get her down. And when the collapse happened, the way they were with the core collapsing around them, they were in this little void. And so there was transmission. They were able to locate where they were. And uh, I think it was called the Miracle Ladder 6. And the guys from my company formed a, a chain line and were able to make it to there and get them out. I was part of that. And that was that was a great survival story that these guys heroically did. To witness that was something. Absolutely. Yeah. There was an area where we had made our way into a void, and we were getting radio transmissions that we were in a dangerous spot. And they kept saying, you got to pull out, you got to pull out. I was a little bit further back than some of the other guys from, from the company were up ahead of me. And they spotted a guy that was, they could see the helmet, was a chief. He was pinned in there, couldn't tell whether he was alive or not. But we had visual on him. And they kept trying to pull us out and pull us out, and guys wouldn't leave. And finally, it, it, we had to go. We had to pull out because of the imminent collapse and everything. You know, it wasn't like he was laying there screaming for help or anything. Right. He was unconscious. We didn't know if he was alive or dead, yeah. but we were trying to just get to him. one point, I got my shoulder dislocated, so I went up to the hospital. And all emergency People from around the city, just like I did, were volunteering going to their hospitals to help in Manhattan there because they figured they're going to need all hands on deck. And I remember getting taken to the hospital, and they're all standing outside with the stretches out on the sidewalks and not many people coming. Where's everybody? Well, there's not enough people to come. A lot of them just didn't make it out. Anyway, they got patched up and then went back down there, went back to work. And at that point, it was total rescue mode. More and more reinforcements were showing up. So we just went to work. I hooked up again with 43 truck. They were down there. So worked with them. They were grabbing units from all over the, the city at this point and relieving and rotating people that were on duty, active guys and shifting and people coming in to help out. It was one night they were being relieved on their shift. And I hopped on the back of the truck with the guys. At that point, lower Manhattan was all just encapsulated. You had the military out there. You had the National Guard. You had all the police, intelligence units. Everything was sealed off. So nobody was coming into the, as, as I, you would relate to, into your perimeter. This is a distinct memory that will always stay with me. And I've often told this to people. We leave, and we're just laying all over the top of the rig on the hook and ladder. And... Guys are beat up and exhausted. All along the West Side Highway there, people are lined up. Signs and they're cheering. We're just laying around on the rig and taking it all in. And it was just amazing. The, the people that came out of all the buildings to, you know, give us this boost. Then we go down and we come down along that. And that went on for miles. And we come down Union Square and there's a big, almost rally going on in Union Square. Everybody's uh, really emotional. And the way I equate it to people when I tell the story is 
If you watch the old movies of World War II, when the tanks are rolling into the villages in Italy and France, and all the women and coming out waving the flags and handing bottles of wine to the soldiers, and that's how it felt to me. That crowd, it's like you just liberated their city, but they knew we just where we came from just then, and they were giving that back to us. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Time is a luxury for us, especially if you're a mom. That's why we need a skincare routine that's easy, fast, and gives us results. Plus, what if your products had thousands of five-star reviews, were natural and affordable? Well, say hello to Dime Beauty. Dime Beauty is clean, high-end skincare that is affordable, and it really works. Not sure where to start? I highly recommend the Work System. It's everything you need in one powerful package. Take out the guesswork with a proven routine that includes a gentle yet effective cleanser, a super skin toner, two incredible serums, and two luxurious moisturizers. See what everyone is raving about. From serum sets to the always sold out retinol alternative TBT cream, you'll find your perfect skincare match. Dime has over 2 million happy customers, and their product reviews are literally five stars. Love your skin again. Go to dimebeautyco.com for 20% off with code GETDIME. That's Dime beautyco.com code get dime for 20% off nobody wants to outlive their money but it happens especially for women that's why gainbridge offers the parity flex annuity it's designed for women's unique retirement needs with flexible withdrawals to help cover unexpected expenses plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero in other words it's like getting a paycheck for life we'll say that again a paycheck for life guaranteed sounds too good to be true it's not. It's the Parity Flex annuity, and it's one more example of their commitment to creating a better financial future for women. One where they feel empowered, not excluded, and ready to take on whatever their next chapter holds. Gainbridge believes financial flexibility and security are things we all could use more of. At retirement income you can't outlive is the ultimate flex. Who's with us? Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Please visit Gainbridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, for product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information.
significant trauma can either be a great divider or a great uniter. And I remember 9-12 very, very well. And I remember thinking no one in the world, no one in the world would dare mess with us right now. Because yeah, really, we were all one. Yeah. It didn't matter race, color, creed, religion. If you lived under that red, white, and blue, yeah. you were untouchable. It really was true. And you saw the whole city put up like that. The whole country. Like I'm, whole I'm sitting here thinking, Jake and I always talk about the America of 912. You were still at ground zero yep. on 912 mm. the entire day, mm. praying, hoping, searching for any signs of life, yep. digging yep. through the dust and the decimation. And meanwhile, yes, the rest of the country was uniting. So that's exactly what should yeah. have happened when you came out of the perimeter. And you know what's beautiful, Danny, is that you described that. And like it chokes me up thinking about it. Even though you were leaving ground zero with your brothers and you got all that love, we felt that down in Texas. During a time of unbelievable trauma and tragedy, it was one of the most beautiful soul-filling moments of my life. And I remember thinking, this is why my grandparents love this country the way they do. And, and I thought I had a pretty firm grip on love of country. But on 9-12, it was a big dose of you get it or you don't. It was awe-inspiring to watch. I appreciate that now coming from, from you guys because I know there's many of those stories around. I saw the, the gratitude and the the caring, the genuine concern and condolences that were coming from around the country and around the world. Oh, yeah. My family in Ireland, they couldn't contact us. My brother Patrick is a fireman in the South Bronx, and they didn't know where we were that day, if we were there, if we were in those buildings. So I remember that day being down there, I said, oh, Jesus, I hope Patrick's not here, you know, and I was worried for my brother. I think it's so important that the listeners understand, too, that you're doing this job saving people we've never met, all at the same time wondering if your loved ones, whether yeah. it's your blood brothers or your brothers through work, how they're doing while you're trying to save other people. That's the epitome of selflessness and courage all at the same time. And it was on display, not only that day, but for the days and weeks after. When you feel like you don't have more to give, you always have more to give. So... The last thing you said to Mary Ellen was, see you later. Yeah. Tell me about that homecoming. My son and daughter, they weren't home. They were in school. You know, at that time, some of the schools went into lockdown mode around the city. And so they didn't come home for a while. And they didn't, you know, they didn't see me for two days. So there was one time I was up on the pile and a guy was leaving. And he was going down. And I said... Do me a favor, because there was no self-service and stuff like that. I said, I didn't know the guy, but I said, you can remember, call my family, let them know I'm okay. So I came home, I was still pretty covered in dust and everything, and uh, it was just not many words, a lot of hugs. You know, having more than one thumb war with a Grim Reaper myself, I believe in the, in the will to live. And I believe, God willing, if you're in a circumstance where clearly the poor souls that were trapped in those buildings that couldn't get below a certain floor mm -hmm. before they collapsed, much different circumstance. And that's yeah. why I say, God willing, you provided the circumstance to say, hey, I'm not going out like this, not today, not yet. I believe in that will. And I bet you that has fueled a lot of guys over the years. 
guarantee you because I know a lot of them. Yeah, I, I, that's what I was getting at. Yeah. In this particular day, there's guys who did heroic things. I mean, I'm one that that doesn't take that word hero too easily. I don't feel comfortable with it a lot, the way it's used in, in today's day and age. I feel like the word has been overused. My gosh. It has been diluted. Comple- completely. And it's, it's, it really it's, pisses me off. Agreed. Because to me, most of the true heroes I know are no longer with us. That's where I was getting at. On this day, there'll be heroic things that were done that these guys aren't here to talk about. But knowing some of them personally, myself, I know what they were doing and tried to accomplish. There was one guy who was a dear friend of mine, Patty Brown. Patty was like a legend on the job. And uh, matter of fact, down where I lived, there's a sign a walk, Patty Brown Walk, much decorated Vietnam veteran, much decorated New York City firefighter. I wasn't there to tell it, so I'm telling this story like secondhand and thirdhand. But supposedly Patty was taking his men up and going up to the tower, and, and somebody from the command says, Patty, where are you going? What, what are you doing, Patty? He says, we're going up. And he goes, you can't go up there. Turned him and said something like, what are you, nuts? This is what we do. And off they went. And reportedly, Patty got to the highest floor of the towers than anybody, found a woman, but didn't make it back down. But he had radio transmission from him way up. And he got the highest of anybody up there. And he found people to help. Radio transmission. I got somebody. And him and his men never made it back down. To me, that's heroic. And that's a hero. Dear friend of mine who came on the job with Bernie, his son was in one of the offices up there and working in Canada for Cheryl and uh, called his father and said, Dad, I'm stuck. I'm up here. And he goes, and Bernie's his home in Rockaway watching on TV and seeing the whole thing unfold. And he, he said, what should I do? And he said to him, go up to the roof. He said, get to the, if you can get you and your people up to the roof, our guys will get you up there. At that point, it was a unit that was trained to go with the helicopters and rappel down for, for high-rise rescues, you know. He, he knew about that. He said, our guys will get you there eventually. They'll put the fire out there, get up to you. Shortly after that phone call with his son, watched the tower go down in front of him on the TV with his son. And I said, Bernie, you told your son the same thing I would have told mine. Don't kick yourself for this. That was the only option, and it was the right option and the best option. It was out of everybody's hands in that situation. For sure, he did the right thing, telling them where to go, and that was the only way to go. It was a few days later when I was back there, and Father Michael was, I consider, a close friend. He was Patty Brown's very close friend, and both of them died there that day. They were very close, him and Patty. And uh, I had often said to Father Michael, you know, the Irish connection and everything, I said, Father Mike, you know, when anything happens to me, you'll, you'll be the one to send me off. And he goes, I will. I'll look after you, Danny. But I don't you think you have to worry about that. Anyway, we were at the top of one of the cores, and uh, it was all through the night. And we found some guys from Squad 18 that, that were down buried in one of the cores in the voids at the top. Father Michael's funeral was coming up that morning. This is many days later. We had a thing where if we found somebody one of our guys, everything stopped. He sent the word down through the chain line of all the guys, and uh, we found some guys from Squad 18. 
So you stop and you get on the radio, you get word down, we get them out and give the honor of the company to come and get their own men and bring their own men down. No matter where you were, whether you, whatever the company you were from Brooklyn, Staten Island, Bronx, didn't matter. So we got them out. We waited for Squad 18 to come and get their men. Now it took them a long time to come up and get us. So I couldn't get to Father Michael's funeral because of that, because I wanted to stay with the guys up there that, that morning. The heroes to me, uh, of all the guys that didn't make it over the years, and that I know personally, my dear friend Larry, he was a big, powerful man. It was early. It was only a year on the job. Early in my career, he dragged me into a to a fire, and we went and rescued a woman on a second floor. I was a probie in those days. We didn't have the mask or anything, you know. And he he grabbed me, and we went in without a hose line. We became a rescue, you know, truck because the truck wasn't on the scene. We rescued this woman. She found her unconscious on the second floor. Brought her out. He didn't bother putting us in for any medals or anything like that. He said, "That's." This is what we do, kid. You know, this is welcome to the job. I was just happy to make it in and out with him right. and rescue this woman. And uh, he became my dear friend. And, and I learned early on from him that it's not about that, you know, somebody's in help. Nobody does it for any of that. And then his best friend was this fellow, Larry Fitzpatrick, who I knew working in one of the bars I was involved with. It was 1980. One of the guys was stuck up in a shaftway in Harlem. They lowered Larry to go down and get Jerry Frisbee. So they were in a bad jam, and the guy was stuck. Just like those pictures we showed you last night at the firehouse of yeah. the guy stuck in the windows yeah. with the flames. Well, that was another scenario like that in the shaftway in the tenement. And they lowered Larry on a rope to go get Jerry. And he got him, grabbed Jerry, and they started lowering him down, and the rope snapped, and the two of them fell five stories to their death. Larry had eight kids, all little that was my early introduction to the tragedy of the job. And it hit home because he was a friend. Right. What originally made you want to be a firefighter? Oh, that's a good story. I never had any clue about being a firefighter. And I was working in the bars out in the Hamptons and some of the summer clubs out there. This one bar I was working in, these guys came in and were working there. And it, it turned out they were firemen, but they were laid off. And it was this friend of mine, Danny Noonan and Tommy Corning. So they were picking up work wherever they can get it. You know, the fire department had gone through layoffs. The city was in a bad time in those days. And they had they gave a lot of firemen pink slips. They didn't know where their next paycheck was going to come from. They're telling me, and we get to know each other and working out there. And they go, they said, Danny, there's a test coming up. I said, you should think about taking the fireman's test. I go, really? Wow, that's something I didn't think about. You know. Then I thought to myself, I said, wait a second. These guys just got laid off by the city. <laughs> they should be really pissed off. Right. 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 And here they are telling me, you got to take the test for this job. Yeah. It's a great job. So I said, you know, Jesus, right. If, if they're telling me that this must be a really good job and they must love it. Sure enough, I took the test and I trained for it with a bunch of my buddies from the neighborhood. My brother, Patrick, we all trained together and uh, we all did well enough to get on the job. I had a goal of, I hope I can get into the top thousand because it mattered where you work, how you did on the written, how you did on the physical. I said, I'm going to work really hard to get into, I want to crack a thousand. After all was said and done, my list number was a thousand and three. I missed oh. it by three. <laughs> <laughs> but because of those two guys, Tommy and Danny, speaking the way they did of the job, the brotherhood, 
the, the times, uh, you know, that they had on the job before they were laid off. I said, there has to be something to this. And that's what I did it. It's a lifestyle being a firefighter. I was fortunate to work in really, really great firehouses. A lot of people have taught me so many good things. And uh, I looked up to a lot of guys on the job. I was fortunate to have that kind of leadership and friendship and brotherhood. It's more of a lifestyle. You don't stop being a firefighter when you retire, and you don't stop doing the things that you like to do. The heroism, the survivors, while we also mourn and remember the great loss. How did this day change you? You just appreciate things more. Being a firefighter or a civilian or anything, no matter who you were that day, it just gave you a different outlook, how things are, how things could be at any moment. There was always a danger. I'm sure some of the wives of guys going off to work were, you know, saying goodbye in the morning and, you know, some of the guys didn't come home. For a lot of people, the appreciation of everyday life, my God, if that didn't change your outlook, what the heck would? One of the things I'll always equate to that, and you would appreciate this, Jake, that's our job. You know, that's what we sign up to do. The things we see, the things we do for people, you don't bring them home to your family at night. You don't really talk about them. You, you try know. not to. Yeah, yeah. But we signed up for that, just like you did. The things that the women, the children, the men, the everyday civilians that they witnessed that day, only people, I, I say, that go to war or do the kind of work that we do. Uh, should have seen this stuff like that. Those are the people I feel to this day probably carry that a little tougher. Uh, the young kids, what they witnessed. Nobody should have seen that horrific stuff that went on that day except people like us. That to me is the the untold uh, sadness, maybe a little bit of it. And I believe too that that's why people like us, we have an unspoken connection. To me, it's very sad that it is mainly because of very morbid reasons. We have to experience or have experienced horrific things that most people shouldn't have to experience. When people say the brotherhood, I can look at a guy like you, and it's unspoken, but I get it. I remember being in the hospital, my father telling me, God, you Marines are weird. <laughs> and I just remember looking at him and saying, there's no way you could understand. And I'm thankful for that. Yeah, there's certain things you got to leave out. September 11, 2001, the day the world stopped turning. And you as one of FDNY's finest and with Irish roots who proudly served your country and went in on that horrific day and came out and did so much and have done so much since to give back to humankind. We're just, we do salute you and we love you and we uh, thank you. Yeah. You're an exceptional human being. For guys like me, it is uh, awe-inspiring to be able to be, like when we went to the firehouse last night and we got to meet those guys and just tell them thank you. We mean it. It's not they lip know, service. Trust me, Jake, they know it. There's been a lot of guys like you have come to the firehouse. A lot of the SEALs have come up for the Michael thing. And a lot of, like the lieutenant was telling you last night, the platoon that came in and all. They know that what you do and what you've done and guys like you, the connection is there. That's right. And they felt it last night. It was powerful. I called the firehouse this morning uh, to thank all the guys. And they said, my God, that was powerful meeting you guys last night. The connection is there. 
And it's our honor, and our country is greater because of men like you. Fact. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Time is a luxury for us, especially if you're a mom. That's why we need a skincare routine that's easy, fast, and gives us results. Plus, what if your products had thousands of five-star reviews? Were natural and affordable? Well, say hello to Dime Beauty. Dime Beauty is clean, high-end skincare that is affordable, and it really works. Not sure where to start? I highly recommend the Work System. It's everything you need in one powerful package. Take out the guesswork with a proven routine that includes a gentle yet effective cleanser, a super skin toner, two incredible serums, and two luxurious moisturizers. See what everyone is raving about. From serum sets to the always sold out retinol alternative TBT cream, you'll find your perfect skincare match. Dime has over 2 million happy customers, and their product reviews are literally five stars. Love your skin again. Go to dimebeautyco.com for 20% off with code GETDIME. That's dimebeauty.com. BeautyCO.com code get time for 20% off. Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity. It's designed for women's unique retirement needs with flexible withdrawals to help cover unexpected expenses, plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. In other words, it's like getting a paycheck for life. We'll say that again a paycheck for life. Guaranteed. Sounds too good to be true? It's not. It's the Parity Flex annuity, and it's one more example of their commitment to creating a better financial future for women. One where they feel empowered, not excluded, and ready to take on whatever their next chapter holds. Gainbridge believes financial flexibility and security are things we all could use more of. At Retirement Income You Can't Outlive is the ultimate flex. Who's with us? Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Please visit Gainbridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, for product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information. I love hearing you tell stories like you are just a true Irishman and such a good storyteller, and you've got stories for days. Uh-huh. And there might have to be like a Danny Manning episode too, babe. Yeah, no, I'm I'm all about a Danny <laughs> Manning part two. <laughs> we could talk about the Michael Murphy and uh, 
the Stephen Silla Foundation, what you guys are in here for. Absolutely. So we actually met in a very small town in Ireland in County Court called Kinsale that you and I both have very close relation to. And Jake's been a couple times and we just, we love that village. If you haven't been to Kinsale, you haven't been to Ireland. And the greatest people I mean, the greatest people from the Frawleys at the White House to James Sikora and Declan Hughes from Irish Veterans and Flash. Of course, you know, Flash. Sharon Crosby, the biggest personality in the world. Um, you got to mention them. You got to mention them. And Danny and I were both there about six years ago at an unveiling of the Irish Veterans tribute to Lieutenant Michael Murphy, who was the Navy SEAL that gave his life. I mean, many of you are familiar with the Lone Survivor story, and, and that was Lieutenant Michael Murphy. His family, the Murphys, are actually from that area of County in Ireland as well. And so we were all there together for a beautiful day in Kinsale, Ireland to celebrate and honor the life of Michael Murphy and establish the first chapter of Irish Veterans, which we're both still a part of. Absolutely. And an incredible organization. So that is one of the chance meetings of my life that I just, I treasure every day because you are a true gem and I'm just, I'm so thrilled to you. remember when you walked up with me with the, uh, at the end when I was, after I spoke at the (laughs) ambassador with the name tags and said, we said, hey, cuz, we have, we have the same name. Yeah, so my some of my Irish roots are actually from Manning. And when I heard your last name was Manning and you were from that same area, I, I walked up and I told you that and you started calling me cuz. And now we've done it ever we've since. Ever since, right? <laughs> my long lost New York cousin that I met in Ireland. <laughs> and what an organization. The people of Kinsale have embraced it along with the 9-11 Garden. And that's one of the first places I took Jake when we went to Kinsale a couple years ago. I said, you have to come see this. And that's why we say the world stopped turning that day. The fact that in a tiny village in County Cork in Ireland, there's actually a hall in the White House that's a tribute to 9-11. And then not too far from there, up on this beautiful hill overlooking the bay, there, the harbor rather, there's a garden that has 343 trees planted in this garden with a name of a firefighter that lost their life on September 11, 2001, on every tree. And then there's a beautiful monument paying tribute to that as well. This is in Kinsale, Ireland, a world away. I remember the day we went, and yeah. it was it was very moving because uh, Flash, who's uh, um, the greatest cab driver yeah, in I the mean, world. Yeah, I mean, he's he's one of the greatest humans in the world, and he pulled and a funny man. Oh, Hilarious! Oh, oh my gosh, I, I hadn't laughed that hard I think since I was in the Marine Corps. And <laughs> but I remember Flash dropping us. We got out, and you know, he explained this is what it is, and this goes to show you how much nine eleven affected the entire world. Clearly, Flash knew my background from the Marine Corps, and he knew just to let us let us be. You know, Ashley and I grabbed hands and. We walked through this whole thing, never said a word. Yet a million things were said, but it was all in silence and respect and honor. And it's just a beautiful thing to see that they get it all over the world. And if we could just get back to who we were on 9-12. And it's because of 9-12, fast forward, you know, Father Michael was dear friends with Kathleen Murphy, who started the garden, whose property is on. Oh, wow. And so that's why it is a tribute. It's the Father Michael. That's right. Judge 9-11 God in Remembrance. That's right. And it was because of generosity, 9-12, Kathleen Murphy, who was a longtime Lenox Hill Hospital emergency room nurse who treated many of our guys over the years. It was because of her compassion and sorrow and respect for all the 343 of us that the guys that didn't make it. 
that she came up with this idea to plant a tree in everybody's name in the garden, out of respect to them. This woman took care of a lot of firemen over the years on her own property, building this out of her own money and did everything on her own with the help of the villages there in Kinsale. And people from all around the world come to visit this garden now. And it's beautiful. We were there at that time when the, for the dedication yeah. for Michael Murphy. A lot of the Navy personnel and the SEALs, the ambassador, we had a wreath laying ceremony there with Ambassador Cameron Malley. What I thought about there was like, gee, I said, look at this now in this small little spot of the world here is this monument now. And it's a living monument. You know, a lot of monuments see around the country, steel, concrete. Right. This is a living, growing monument that's, right. that's forever living. So I have it in that village where I used to go as a young boy. When I found out that that was there and the connection of Michael Murphy, he had a nickname, the Protector. And I think I might have spoke about this at the dedication, how uh, the irony of it now that Michael Murphy, who wore my company patch in, in all those missions, being known amongst his men as the protector and growing up, as his family used to say, that was his sort of moniker, that there he is now in the village of Kinsale with the Irish Veterans Memorial in the beautiful White House. And there were the men, the 343 up on the hill. It's like, my, it's just the irony of it to me is bizarre. Poetic is probably a better word, that the protector in the village still being there for the men whose patch he wore. That's beautiful. Th that to me is really irony, right? Poetic. But, you know, you, that iconic photograph, Ashley, that right. we know the song about. Yeah. That my friend Dave McGilton from County Cork, Ireland wrote about. He's in Ireland and he sees this photograph of Father Michael being carried in a chair by first responders, firemen, and police. And uh, he wrote a song about it. The sky belongs to the dreamers. You know, it's one of the many, many tidbits to the stories that. A lot of them are untold still today, probably. What do you do to relax or recharge? Being that I'm retired now, <laughs> I kick back at the house, and there's always something to do around the house, fixing things up, going to the beach, and we like to travel to Ireland. Name a person or organization that you can think of that has had a massive impact on your life. I guess I can go back to that earlier story where I told about Larry Fitzpatrick. And Larry dying on the rope, trying to save another brother. I'd say that impacted me because it was close to home, you know. What feeds your soul? Family. Blessed to have great parents. I saw the struggles they had coming to this country as immigrants from Ireland. Not much in their pocket. The life they tried to give me and my brother Patrick. Put money together they could to bring us home to Ireland every other summer and live on the farm and milk the cows and and had my you know have the horses and go to the creamery with the milk and I'd get an ice cream as a reward from my uncle for doing that and so the struggles they had to give us that kind of life early on to show where they came from the farms in Ireland and not having much to their life. And my mother leaving the country as a young woman in search of a better life, never seeing some of her family again, ever. Same with my father. That gave me a sense of family that uh, my kids today have. That's to me the best gift. And that, that, if that doesn't feed your soul, I don't know what does. Amen. And that's, the, I think, the most beautiful part about that, too, is it's generational. Right. You've truly carried it on. You have a beautiful family. Truly blessed. Cuz, 
Thank you. Thank you so much for being here with us on The Good Stuff. I can't put into words how much I appreciate you and your brothers and your sacrifices and what you've done to make this, not only this country, but this world a better place. And it is truly, I mean it in every sense of the word, an honor to do this with you. Well, this has been totally my pleasure. I, I just hope I, I represented all my guys the way they should have been represented because it's, it's all about them. The true heroes of 9-11 are the guys that we told some of the stories about. And thank you so much for having me. You guys are fabulous. And Jake, the admiration I have for you and your men is heartfelt throughout the whole fire department. And uh, the brotherhood is there. We love you. Wow. What a gift to be able to sit down with FDNY firefighter retired Danny Manning and hear his firsthand account of being at Ground Zero on 9-11-2001. Just unbelievable. I mean, talk about perspective on enjoying life and how precious it is and fragile it is. And can never take a single day for granted. I mean, we are so truly blessed not only to live in this country, but just to be breathing and to have our health and our family and our friends. And and how much does he treasure those things now after having lived through that day? Yeah, I think it's fairly obvious to me after having the honor and privilege of sitting here and listening to that, that it's exactly why Danny is one of the happiest people on the planet. Right. He absolutely is. And, you know, to know his beginnings and where he came from, his parents were born in Ireland. And then he talked about his summers in Ireland, which is just so heartwarming. And and then he comes over here, he decides to serve our country. And, and this wasn't, you know, the first of his many escapades as a, a New York firefighter, but Engine 53, Ladder 43, El Barrio's Bravest. What an incredible group of men that, that are just so selfless. And it just makes you so proud to be an American to know that guys like Danny and his brothers are willing to put it all on the line for us. No doubt about it. They're all heroes and they're all mighty men and women. And to all the heroes that died that day and in service to our great country, Patty Brown, Father Michael, Larry Fitzpatrick, I promise you we will never forget. Thank you so much for listening. If this episode touched you today, please share it and be part of making someone else's day better. Put on your badass capes and be great today. And remember, you can't do epic stuff without epic people. Thank you for listening to The Good Stuff. The Good Stuff is executive produced by Ashley Schick, Jacob Schick, Leah Pictures, and Q Code Media. Hosted by Ashley Schick and Jacob Schick. Produced by Nick Casolini and Ryan Countshouse. Post-production supervisor, Will Tindy. Music by Will Haywood-Smith. Edited by Mike Robinson. Sound effects by Eric Aaron. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.
Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity, designed for women's unique retirement needs, with flexible withdrawals plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. Gainbridge is helping build a better financial future for women. Retirement income you can't outlive is the ultimate flex. Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Visit Gainbridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, full product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.